Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Morning, church. How are you? Such good things going on in the nations, and I'd love for you guys to be praying for me and my boys and uh, Andy Owen as well. We're heading to Mongolia this week and going to be speaking at World Mandate Asia. So we have World Mandate West in the winter in San Diego. We have World Mandate Asia in Mongolia this coming weekend, so it should be a wonderful time. I'd love for you guys to be covering us in prayer as people are literally all over the earth. I talked to Ricky Valdez who uh, is our team leader in South Africa, yesterday, and he said, Robert, we have an interesting problem. So many people are interested in jumping into the church, and many people are coming to Christ in South Africa. We don't even have a house to invite them into yet. So great problem to have. It is awesome what God is doing. I always like to start with something funny. And uh, a young man returned to his country home from college. I'm sure we have some college students in here this morning. Came home from college after having become very educated. His farmer dad wanted to take him camping to make sure his city slicker son remembered his country roots. So they go out hiking, come to this nice meadow. They put up their tent, crawl into it, and go to sleep. In the middle of the night, the farmer dad woke up his son and says, Son, son, look, what do you see? And the son goes, Wow, dad, I see thousands of stars. It's beautiful. His dad goes, No, son, I I know, but what does that tell you? The son said, well, from my college studies of astronomy, Dad, it tells me that there are countless galaxies. And from my studies of meteorology, it tells me it's a clear night. We're going to have beautiful weather tomorrow. And my studies of theology, it tells me that we have an infinite creator who's awesome in power. And the son said, Dad, what does it tell you? And the farmer, Dad, looks at him and just shook his head and says, it tells me that someone came in the middle of the night and stole our tent. Okay, so speaking of camping, uh, you know, since the earliest stage, I've had this draw to nature and, and just wanted to be a, a rugged outdoorsman, and, and I was blessed to have a father who was a hunter and fisherman, so we spent time out in the woods, but I'd watch these National Geographic films, and I, I'd watch these different documentaries of people going on these long treks with the big camping backpacks on, and we never got to do that. My dad had pretty bad allergies, plus we lived in the center of central Texas. There's no national parks there, and so I, I never got to do these long camping trips where you'd hike in and just be off in the middle of nowhere, not in a campsite, but just in the pristine wilderness. And so that was one of the reasons I admired my roommate in college so much, Robert Fuller. He was this, this you know, camper extraordinaire. He had talked longingly of, of hiking in by himself into the Buffer, Buffalo River Valley and the Ozark Mountain chain. And he'd talk about bacon sizzling on his skillet over an open fire and going deep into these, these caves that were all you know, unmarked, and, and, and so I just had to do this, and I remember finally saying, okay, is, can you just take me, can you take me on one of these trips, and he said, well, I, I'd love to, so we planned right after school, this was uh, right after the, the end of the school semester for me to fly up to Little Rock, Arkansas, 
He picks me up, and he'd already told me, you know, okay, here are the things you need. He, he walked me through the list because this wasn't just, you know, a traipse in the woods. He said, you need this kind of hiking boot because we're going to have 50-pound packs on, and, and you need this kind of camping mat. It's going to make the hardest ground. We're going we're gonna to be in places where there's no campsites. It's going to make the hardest ground soft, and, and this is the kind of sleeping bag you need. So I, I got my equipment. I show up. In, in Arkansas, I'm a little nervous, right? I, you know, it's a little scary to go off into the, the wild. He could tell that, so he said, okay, we're going to do this one hike just right outside of the city, and, and, and he started me off uh, pretty easy, and we climbed a pinnacle mountain in, in Little Rock, see this beautiful view, and I built my confidence up, and he goes, now, we're going to take off, and, and I'll never forget this hiking way into the woods, coming to this vista setting up our camp there. It was absolutely beautiful. The next day, we had this guidebook, and he, he takes me into this cave, you know, and I had been in caves where they're like, you know, glass doors that open up, and you go down in a trolley with like 100 people, but now it's just me and him with our own headlamps, and we're, you know, squeezing onto the ground, and oh, we come into this room that was literally this big, and I'm just in awe of that. I came home just stoked that I had done something that I had always dreamed of doing. And it's interesting because I talk to people all the time that, that share about some, some endeavor that they want to take. And, and, and then they talk about how they've just never had anyone to show them how to do it. And I think that's how so many of us as Christians are that we long to go on this journey with God. We long to, to know him, to explore the depths of his character, but we just don't even know where to start, and maybe we're a little afraid, and we don't feel like we have the resources to do so, and, and that's what we see Jesus all about. Jesus was like that, that roommate that I had, Robert Fuller, who, who was a mentor and he walked people into how to explore the, the depths of who Father God was and how to go on that journey. You know, it was about the same time that I watched Robert Fuller, who had taken me on that journey. I watched him start going on a journey of going deep in God. He met this man named Mark Masterson. Robert had grown up in a, a traditional Christian church like me. And although he knew a lot of Bible studies and, and stories, his life didn't reflect that of an on-fire Christian until he met Mark. And, and Mark Masterson was, was quite a character. I'll never forget meeting him the first time uh, in, my, in my apartment, and he was there to, to start discipling Robert Fuller. Ro Mark's story was interesting. Mark was about 10 years older than us. He went to Texas State college. It was known as the biggest party school in all of Texas, kind of like San Diego State for, for California. And, and Mark was like a partier extraordinaire. He was this total hellion, and, and his stories were, were crazy. But there was a guy on his dorm floor that just kept sharing Jesus with him. And, and Mark would blow him off. Mark would run away from him until one day this guy comes up to him he lights a match, and Mark's looking at him, and the guy takes this match and goes Psst, right into Mark's arm. And Mark goes, ah, what'd you do that for? With a lot more ex expletives than that. <laughs> and the guy looks at him. This is, this is a true story. The guy looks at him and goes, hot, huh? And Mark goes, yeah, I was on fire. He goes, hell's going to be hotter. <laughs> and he goes, that's where you're going for all your sin. 
unless you give your life to Jesus. And Mark listens to him and gives his life to Jesus. Okay, and as crazy a partier as Mark was, he became even more radical for following God. And let me just make a side note for a second. It's not our job to decide who's going to give their life to Jesus or not. Don't discount someone because of their crazy lifestyle. It's often the craziest people that become on fire for Jesus. Right? There's, there's just all these stories in the Bible about people who you'd never think would draw near to God that are the very ones that turn the world upside down as God gets a hold of their heart. And that was what happened with Mark. Mark started getting discipled in college at Texas State by a guy who taught him to read the Bible, who taught him how to pray, who taught him how to share his faith, who taught him how to invest in other people. And Mark's life got so transformed. Mark came from a completely pagan background. No one in his family had ever walked with God before. And now Mark's life was so changed, and he was so passionate and so thankful for what he found that he decided to give his life to it. So he had moved in his adult years, he was about 30, 31, he had moved to our university, to Baylor University, for the purpose of investing in college students and, and discipling them. Well, he starts meeting with Robert Fuller. He met him probably on a Sunday, a lot like this, a Sunday at church, and he could see that Robert had a hunger to know God but didn't really know how to do it. So he said, Robert, let's start meeting together. And so I met Mark. I remember at this, this morning where he was at our apartment early, and I wake up, and Robert and Mark are already in our living room studying the Bible. Mark actually was Jeff Yankee's roommate, just realizing that. Uh, Jeff's our family's pastor. They were roommates before they were married, and, and Mark's over, and, and I walk down into my living room, and there Robert and Mark are studying the Bible, and I start seeing Robert Fuller, my roommate, I just start seeing his life in God take off. It was interesting because I was trying by this time to follow God, and I, and I was doing it through this. I, I was going to all kinds of different Christian big events. I, I had joined this music group that traveled all around singing. I was like at every conference and every concert, but all of a sudden I'm watching Robert as he simply meets with Mark every week, and he is just taking off in spiritual growth. And all of a sudden, he's getting consistent reading the Bible. He's learning how to pray. He's being raised up as a leader. And to be quite honest, I got really jealous. I got jealous of him. I don't know if you've ever seen one of your friends that just starts getting on fire for God, and you become kind of have this holy jealousy. That's, that's, a, that's a good jealousy. That's a good peer pressure, by the way. And, and I wanted what he had. And so... Mark and Robert were going on the spring break mission trip to Mexico. I talk about that trip all the time, 1997, going to Juarez, Mexico. It's what we've modeled our trip to Tijuana after. And if you haven't been, I encourage you to just make plans for going with us next March to Tijuana. One of the main reasons I went was to be with Mark and to be with Robert. And I got to be on Mark's team down in Mexico, and it was so cool because you know, so often in life, we end up just hanging out with people our own age. I love that about the church, that the church affords us an opportunity to be with people generations ahead of us. 
And so you become exposed to how does someone appropriate the Bible to their business life or to their marriage or how do they parent? And you get to have these role models that have gone before you. And that's what I, I was doing with Mark. I was just watching his every move. You know, we, we need models of how to live life. And I watched how encouraging Mark was to people. He was just always encouraging people. I watched how he served people. He was the leader, yet he was the one grabbing people's bags and, and, and helping people get situated. And, and I watched how he was sharing the gospel all over the place. And, and, and honestly, it was pretty awkward how he'd share, right, Jeff? I mean, how, how he would share, it, it could be awkward. But hey, I wasn't doing it. And, and so I was impacted by the way this guy just lovingly talked about Jesus with other people. And so I remember by the end of the trip, I had made a decision. I was going to ask Mark if he'd meet with me like he met with Fuller. And, and, and man, my, you know, my heart was pounding. It was, it was so nervous. I was, it was like I was asking a girl out or something, you know. I was, well, he, he could say no. He could, you know. And so I, I ended up saying, Mark, I, I've been watching you meet with Robert Fuller. I've seen his life transformed. Would you be willing to meet with me? And he said, well, I'll pray about it. Why don't we meet next week in the student union building? So here we are in the student union building. This morning we met in our student union building. We sit down and, and grab a bite to eat. And he asked me this, this question. He says, Robert, do you know who the student body president of this university was last year? I said, no, I don't. He goes, well, can you at least tell me one thing that they did to impact the lives of students? And I said, no, I, I don't know who it was, so I, I can't tell you that. He goes, no, isn't that interesting? Because arguably, they'd be the most influential person on campus, but you don't know who they were or, or anything they've done. He said, you know, that is so often the way that we think in our normal human mindset is we're going to impact people just through positions of power. He said, Jesus had a much different way of transforming lives. And his way was taking a few guys, a few simple, ordinary fishermen, and investing his time and his energy and his words into them. And within one generation, it says of them that they were turning the whole world upside down. He said, Robert, I encourage you to spend the last days of your college years discipling several guys and teaching them to disciple others, and you will have a never-ending legacy on this campus. You know, it was just so cool. Um, a couple years ago, I was doing the same conference in Mongolia, and this guy comes up to me, and he goes, hey, Robert, you're my great-great-grandfather. I went, uh, what? You know, here I am, under 40. And he goes, well, you discipled this guy, and, and he discipled this guy, and that guy discipled this guy, and that guy discipled this guy, and that guy's discipling me, and I'm a, college on, I'm a college student on campus. I've been gone for 10 years from my campus, but there's still an, uh, uh, an unending chain of people whose lives are being transformed back in Texas. So encouraging to me. So here's what Mark taught me, because I want to teach you this morning this life-transforming power of discipleship. Last week, we talked about our, our fourth D. We've been going through these, these five Ds. I don't know if we have the, the slide that we've been going through every week on this journey of transformation in the New Testament church. We've been talking about this river that flows through. And, and we see this transformation that takes place in the life of New Testament believers. The first one is decision. Say decision. 
we realize that every person needs to come to a, a point in their life where they realize they need a Savior, and they proclaim with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. They understand that he died on the cross to forgive them for their sins. He, he rose from the dead. He defeated the power of sin, and if we proclaim him, we can be saved. Then we say dunked. Say dunked. That means to be baptized, and that's the first thing we do right when we make a decision for Jesus is we get baptized. I'm hearing about more and more baptisms taking place. We baptized about 50 people a couple weeks ago. I heard about five more people getting baptized in a life group the other day. I know our life group's baptizing people this week. I think we're going to baptize seven more people. It's like you can baptize someone. And you can be baptized. If you've given your life to Jesus, haven't been baptized, I encourage you to do that as an act of obedience to him. Then we say delivered into freedom. Say delivered. delivered. There's freedom that Christ has for you. And he wants to let us walk unencumbered by addictions and bondage and, and snares that the enemy wants to enslave us by. And so on July 22nd, I, I'd encourage you, if you weren't at the last one, everyone please come to come to our Freedom Day so that you can experience the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit working in you to help you get free. Then we move on to Discipled, and that's where we are today. Say Discipled. Last week we talked about our first aspect of the discipleship, Jesus had 12 guys walking with him, this group, and, and, and larger. There was women walking with him as well, and, and they would meet together in a small group, and that's the actual birth of the church. And so we said to, to really be a New Testament believer, you walk in small group community. And I want to thank you for responding to that. I kept hearing so many reports of life groups this week that were just busting at their seams because so many of you heard this message last week and you jumped in. So way to go. And if you didn't, no worries. There's this week. So I want to encourage you. We have over 50 groups that you can meet uh, throughout the city, and it's a great place. They're always open, and this is the place where you start getting your life transformed. But the second aspect is Jesus didn't just meet with 12. He also met more intimately with the three, Peter, James, and John. We see him continually addressing these guys, and at different times, He'd spend time with one of them. He'd spend time with Peter, talking with him, training with him. We call this discipleship mentoring. Discipleship mentoring, and that's where I want to spend my time today because this type of growth plan absolutely transformed my life. So Mark, when we sat down together, he said, Robert, I will disciple you, and we're going to do three things in discipleship, three components of discipleship. He said, we're going to learn to focus on the throne. We're going to learn to live a lifestyle of holiness. And we're going to live a great commission lifestyle. And Mark and I started meeting every single week. And every single week, he told me the same three things. Oh, my goodness. He just drove it into my head. Focus on the throne. Lifestyle of holiness. Great commission lifestyle. Now, those words I thought were, were a little flowery. So we made it much more simple for, for people who were unchurched or people that maybe didn't have a fancy education or even for kids to get it. So we simplified it. I like things simple. So we call it look up, look in, look out. Can you say that with me this morning? Look up, look in, look out. One more time. Look up, look in, look out. You ask, how do I make disciples? What do I do with someone when I actually meet with them? This is what we did. Mark Mark opened up the scripture to me and showed me this key verse that 
was Jesus's marching orders. In fact, kind of his last marching orders before he ascended into heaven. It's from Matthew 28. If you turn there with me, if you have it on a digital Bible, I'd encourage you to highlight this because this is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission. And I think we could go around the body of Christ and everyone say, would say, yes, this is the primary teaching of Jesus. But unfortunately, in the church, I find that very few people are actually doing this and very few churches are actually highlighting this. But this is what it says. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is so cool. Jesus is saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's his part. Jesus has the authority. And if you've given your life to Jesus, Jesus is living in you. So there's one living in you that has all the authority. But then he says, now you have a part. You go and make disciples. Who can make disciples in this room? Who can make disciples in this room? Everyone. This is his command to all of us. Now, some of us might say, no, I, I can't make disciples. You know, I could never do that. That's what Jesus did. Jesus had these guys, and he invested in them, but that's not me. I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. Well, let me tell you that Jesus has been using imperfect people for centuries. Let me tell you about a few of them. One was a murderer. You go, well, Robert, I make mistakes. I, 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 can't, I can't help people. I can't disciple them. Well, have you murdered anyone this week? Okay. Even if you have, Jesus can use you. There was a guy named Paul. He murdered someone. The next week, he's making disciples. Jesus used murders. Well, gosh, but Robert, I, you know, I, I, I read this book, and then I, I deal with doubt. There's a guy in the Bible, one of Jesus' disciples, he, he, he basically is known as Doubting Thomas. Okay. So unless people are calling you, you know, hey, Doubting John, when you walked into church today, you're a perfect candidate to make disciples. Well, you know, I don't know what to say. I just say stupid things when I meet with people. Well, so did Peter. Peter's known for the dumb things he said, right? Gosh, you know, and, and then one time someone asked me, you know, what I thought if I'm a Christian, and I, I like, I didn't stick up for Jesus. Well, so did Peter, right? He denied Jesus in, in the time of need. Jesus can use all kinds of people. Well, gosh, I'm a hothead, you know. I, I, do, I could never make disciples. I, I cut someone off on the way to church and then honked at him and then screamed at him. Well, you're just like John, the beloved, who wanted to call down fire on a city and kill everyone. You're like, you're the per if you're a hothead, you're the perfect candidate to be a disciple. Well, I couldn't be a disciple. If you knew my past, well, how about Mary Magdalene? right? Talk about a past. No, Jesus is in the business of using messed up people to make disciples. He's called you, and he says all authority is in him, and who's living in you is Jesus. So you have authority, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. It's because of who he is. So every person can make disciples. This is his calling on our life. 
So John, his name is not John, his name is Mark, but Mark ends up saying, Robert, the first thing we're going to do is focus on the throne. We're going to look up. We're going to look up. What does that, what does that mean? You know, the first thing we want to teach people how to do in discipleship is merely love Jesus. That's why I'm talking about John, because John loved Jesus. Mark said, we, we want to love Jesus. I, I remember in college wondering, like, wow, can I, can I actually know God? I still remember this spot I was walking across campus and going, God, could I actually know you? Like, there's this desire in my heart to be your friend, but is it possible to know God? And I remember what Mark did was he, he said, Robert, we're going to focus each time on looking up, on you growing in your relationship with God. And so Mark help me. He, we took the Bible, we took out a little piece of paper and would write out things like this. Who is God? Put a question mark. And then just start writing down as we'd read through scripture. We'd study a, a chapter of scripture and just start writing out, okay, he says he is light. He is the creator. Okay, how do I respond would be the next question. And I'd start writing down as I was reading the Bible, okay, how do I respond to God? Mark was actually teaching me how to read the word. And then he said, let's pray. Let me just tell you, I, I never could pray growing up. I remember setting an alarm because this youth pastor had challenged us to spend seven minutes a day with God, and I never could get to seven minutes. It drove me crazy, right? And then I remember Mark saying, let's pray. And, and he showed me, he modeled for me how to pray. L look at this. This is what Jesus does. The disciples come to, come to Jesus, and, and they say, teach us to pray. They, they have this desire, and so what does Jesus do? This is in, in Luke chapter 11. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. You know, the, the, Jesus was doing two things. The first thing it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus was praying where his disciples could see him praying. Right? We talked about this last week. One of the reasons I love life group is that we actually pray in life group. And so people learn by watching someone else pray. Every week in my life group, we we, almost every week, we probably have people that, that haven't prayed before. So they learn by watching someone else pray. This is what Mark did with me. He ends up coming over to my apartment and says, let's pray. And then he starts praying. And, and he, he used this Lord's Prayer model. And if you want to learn more about that model, you can listen to the podcast from last semester. We did a, a series called Teach Us to Pray. But he started with worship. He started with our Father and just adoring the Father. He'd pray and then he'd say, okay, now, Robert, your turn to pray. And so that i just try to pray like he prayed. And then I remember him showing me, okay, now we're going to pray for our life group. And, and I was in his life group, so we just started praying for different people to, to be touched and to be reached. And okay, now we're going to pray for the nations. You know, I, I constantly pray for the nations of the world now. Why? It's because I saw it in Mark Masterson's life. He modeled it for me. 
And then he'd explain things to me, just like Jesus was doing. Jesus was modeling prayer, and then his disciples come to him, and then he explains, pray like this. And he goes through these different types of prayer with his disciples. You know, this changed my life by Mark modeling for me. And then I remember him saying, okay, now we're going to listen to God. And that was very uncommon for me. And so we unpacked the scriptures for me. Okay, Robert, look at John chapter 5. Look at John chapter 8. Look at Acts 13. Look at John chapter 10. All of these scriptures show that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Now we're going to wait. And he'd say, now, God, would you speak to us? And Robert, let's just wait silently. Okay, and then whatever comes to your mind, if it's in line with scripture, it's probably God speaking to you. So he'd teach me to write down. And I learned to listen to God. You know, these foundations that I now practice every single day of my life just came from Mark coming, sitting down. There was nothing spectacular about it. There wasn't some bright light that overtook our, my living room. There wasn't a massive wind that rushed through. But it was just Mark sitting with me, helping me learn to pray and study and listen to God. Can I just tell you that you can take someone and help them do that? You don't have to have to be this spiritual giant. Everyone can make one. Discipleship. Everyone can make one. I want you to write that down today. Everyone can make one. Jesus has given you authority to do this. Everyone can make one. Then Mark taught me to look in. To look in. So what was this all about? This was learning to, to look at my life and say, is it lining up with Scripture? This, this was the model of Jesus. So not only did Jesus take his disciples and, and model prayer, then what we see in, in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Jesus lines out these things called the Beatitudes. And he's explaining how we can be blessed in the Christian life. And then he's also challenging them on do their behaviors line up with Scripture? Okay, he'd say, well, you've, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, even if you look at a, a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. And so he would challenge his disciples on actions, on heart attitude, on thought life, so that their lifestyle could line up with the teachings of the kingdom. And so Mark started helping me with this, and, and he'd do this by asking accountability questions. So he'd ha he had in his Bible this list of accountability questions. And, and so he'd say, now Robert, I'm going to ask you a question, and then you're going to ask me a question. And, and let me just show you. I think we have a list of some of these accountability questions he asked. He'd go, Robert, let's just go through these, and I'm going to be very vulnerable. And, and Mark would be really honest with where he was at. Are you spending time alone with God? Well, yeah, Mark, I, I, I read the Bible, um, you know, last week. Well, no, Robert, did you do it this week? Oh, okay. You know, is your thought life pure? Awkward. Um, well, you know, and, and we'd start talking about that, okay? Are you walking in total obedience to God? Oh, no, I felt like God said this, and I, I didn't do that. And we'd just go on. Did you put yourself in an awkward situation with a woman? Okay. Uh, did you look at a woman the wrong way? Oh, okay. And, and, and here's the interesting thing. You can think, well, that's really, this is kind of rough to ask each other these, 
these questions. But my desire was to be free to walk with God. And, and here's the interesting thing. Knowing that I was going to get the, asked these questions by the end of the week actually gave me a stronger desire to walk in purity and holiness. Like a lot of times it wasn't even that I was going to have to tell Mark those things. It was knowing that I was going to be asked. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be asked. Like someone's going to ask me these things. And that would help me have power to walk free. And, and, and Mark wouldn't just sit me in a corner, you know, and, and ask me these questions. He would share what was going on. He would share very vulnerably with me. And I learned it wasn't about perfection. It was about a desire to honor God. Can I just say that again? Discipleship, it's not about perfection. Like, we all have sin. We all have issues. It's just a desire to walk with God. It's, it's like going to practice. If you've ever played a sport, every week you show up and you get a little stronger and you get a little better in discipleship. For me, I realized, oh, Mark is kind of like a coach for me, helping me grow in my spiritual life. I had a, a coach in football. I had a coach in soccer. I had a coach in swimming. Why wouldn't I have a coach in my spiritual life? And so it was helping me grow in my life. Let me just tell you this. We, we have this discipleship app that you can use. Uh, we also have a website. It's makedisciples.me. Makedisciples.me. But I want to show you in just a second this discipleship app because those questions right there, you, yeah, you might ask, where can I get those questions? Those are in lesson two of our discipleship app. Let me just show you really quickly this promo video for how you can download this free app that we use and it's just these different lessons that you can take people through when you sit down with them. So let's show that. Make Disciples is a new piece of technology that comes in the form of an app for your mobile phone that will assist you in your journey of making disciples. You can sign in, create a profile, even read some chapters of Robert Herbert's book, Changing the World Through Discipleship. To begin your discipleship journey, simply log in, create a profile, and sit down with another person for the purposes of discipleship. You can choose through one of our many discipleship lessons and begin it with a Bible or even just reading the Bible through the app on your phone. You'll be able to fill in the blanks for certain responses and discuss your answers with the person you are meeting with for discipleship. Through the simplicity of the app, you'll be able to disciple someone anywhere without having to have a pen or paper on hand. As you scroll to the bottom of each lesson, there is also an opportunity to write down your practical responses so you can be sure to respond to what you are learning through discipleship. To learn more, download paper lessons, or test drive the app, visit makedisciples.me. You know, the last component was look out. Say look out, church. You know, this is all about having an outward focus in our spiritual life. And I find that so many Christians actually don't have an outward focus. And Mark did this by modeling looking out to the needs of others. You know, we, we need people to train us. I remember moving to San Diego at 32 years old, and I'd always had this desire to surf. You know, and I, I'd watch surf movies and, 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 and really wanted to do this, but I, I knew I couldn't do it without having someone train me. And so I, I remember visiting this church and getting in this conversation with this guy named Tommy and saying, hey, could you teach me to surf? I, I still don't know his last name. He's in my phone as Tommy Surfer. But I, he said, yeah, come on down, meet me at my house in, in OB, 
And, and instead of like pulling out a manual or, or pulling out instructional videos, Tommy just said, okay, Robert, I want you to watch this. And he jumped, he got down on his chest and then popped up like this. And he said, now you do it. And we like alternated popping up, right, in his living room. And then he takes me out to the beach and says, now look, we're going to go right through there. And we're going we're gonna to get pulled into that current, and we're going to come out into the break. And so Tommy just is right next to me paddling, and I just got absolutely pummeled. Turns out it was a huge day. I had no idea. And I finally get out there, and then Tommy goes, now watch this, Robert. See that wave coming? Now start paddling now. And he goes, watch me. And he starts paddling, and he goes, now I pop up. And he pops up, and he goes, now I'm turning this way. And I ride it this way. And then he swims back right to me. And he goes, now you're going to go. And he just coached me right along the way. And I got absolutely destroyed. But I finally, at the end of the day, I got up. And then I had to go home and sit in a hot tub for like the next hour to, to soak my, my sore muscles. But, you know, I went out this Friday surfing and I can do it, thanks to Tommy, thanks to someone who trained me. I'll never forget being in Chili's restaurant with Mark, and the waitress walks up to us, and Mark looks at this waitress and says, hi, my name is Mark, and this is Robert, and we love Jesus. And I was like, oh, wow. And she goes, well, can I get your drink orders Mark and Robert, and he goes, do you have any kegs? I'm going, what? He goes, do you have any kegs? Like, just bring in a keg, put it right down here, put the nozzle right in my mouth, and just let me drink. And she's like, um, no. He goes, just kidding. We're Christians. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> that was awful. And he goes, and we'd love to pray for you today. Uh, how can we pray for you? Do you have any needs and I'm thinking, like, that was the worst intro ever. Like, worst segue into sharing about Jesus ever. And she goes, well, yeah, I do. Yeah, this, I have this problem going on with my family. And she starts opening up and pouring out her life. And I'm going, no way that that just worked. There is no, that was the worst ever, and it's totally working. And by the end, he's like, you know, Jesus loves you. He's basically sharing the gospel with her. And in, in, in about 30 seconds, like, we're sitting, and this woman has her head bowed, and we are praying for her in Chili's restaurant. And I am just astounded. I'm like, you, a keg to prayer? Like, what? And, and I, I learned that day, you know, and, and here was the funny thing I learned. I was like, I could certainly do it better than that. Like, I could certainly make it a little, little less awkward than that. But Mark inspired me, not by doing things perfectly, but just out of love, asking people how he could pray for them. And, and wherever we'd go, Mark would just lovingly remember people's names, ask them how they were doing, start talking about Jesus, pray for people. I can't tell you how many times I'd walk up and, and Mark would be leading someone to the Lord and then he'd get them and say, okay, are you ready to pray to give your life to Jesus? Well, Robert's gonna lead you in prayer. I'm like, what? I, I, didn't, I just walked up, you know? But he was so determined to teach me and those things stuck in my heart. I remember taking a guy that I was starting to disciple, Kendall's best friend, Drew, to, to, to Wendy's with me, and, and at the counter, I asked the woman how I could pray for her and told her about how much Jesus loved her, and I look over, and Drew literally is going like this, <laughs> and, and we sit down, and Drew goes, I have never seen anything like that. 
Now, the crazy thing is Drew had grown up in one of the most known churches in America, but he had never seen anyone model just how to talk about Jesus and how to pray for people. We, we, we need someone to model that for us. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be super awkward. But just knowing that someone can be bold enough, it breaks something off of us, and we learn how to do that. We learn how to share the gospel. Looking out is all about just learning to share the gospel with people and then learning how to make disciples ourselves. Mark told me from the very beginning, he gave me this other key scripture, 2 Timothy 2.2, if we can put that up. It says this. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. And he says this, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. He's saying, and the things you, Timothy, have heard me say and trust to reliable men who will teach others. And he's talking about these, these four generations. He taught me that discipleship would be generational. So when Mark said, hey, I'll meet with you, Robert, if you'll be willing to meet with someone else and then you train them to meet with other people. Mark taught me that that discipleship wasn't about me just getting discipled, but was about me making disciples. You know, it's interesting. I, I'll talk to people at different times in the body of Christ, and they're saying, you know, I, I want to I go on to the deep teaching. I want to go on to the spiritual maturity. I want to talk about things that, you know, I haven't heard before in church. And I say, you know, that's, that's fine and good. I, I, I love the Greek. I study original languages. I study eschatology. I, 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 I love those different, deeper things. But my question always is, are you actually living out the teachings of Jesus? True maturity isn't how much head knowledge you have. True maturity is do you obey what Jesus called us to do. Amen. Can I just say that again? Like you, you know you're mature. Let, let me say it this way. In the natural, an adult in a healthy relationship, in a healthy marriage, they reproduce and have spiritual children. Do you know how you're a mature believer in the body of Christ? Is if you are reproducing your life into others. Did you hear that? Like true maturity is not how many Bible studies I went to, how many sermons I listened to, how many podcasts, how, how many books I have on my bookshelf. True maturity in the body of Christ is do I actually do what Jesus commanded? Do I actually spend daily time with him? Do I actually open my mouth and share the gospel? Do I actually make disciples? Like who are the people you're discipling? You, you show me someone that's discipling people, I'll show you a mature believer. Right? And that's what I believe you want to do. That, that's the real church. We've been in a series called The Real Church. In the real church, everyone reproduces their life. Yeah, yeah it, It's not a specific job. It's not a specific ethnic group. It's not a specific age. I've watched high school students. My sisters got a hold of this in high school, and they started making disciples like crazy. I've seen People in business have numerous discipleship appointments through the week of people they're doing business with. I've seen nurses do this. I've seen stay-at-home moms do that. I've seen homeschool mothers do this. I've seen construction workers that are on their break doing discipleship. I've seen people of every job. It's just getting in our mind that Jesus has given you authority. You don't have to wait until you know a certain thing. If you've been a believer for a week, take someone who's been a believer for a day. If you've been a believer for a day... Take someone who's not a believer yet. You know more than them, right? You've been a, so many in this room, you've been a believer for years. Now, the, there's so many in the body of Christ that desperately need what you have. Yeah. 
you'll wonder why so many people just make a decision but never grow. It's because no one ever came and walked alongside of them, helping them gain spiritual maturity. And that's what Mark did for me. You know, the, the thing that might have impacted me the most with Mark is just how he served people. He showed me looking out was serving, that true spiritual leadership, he, he'd, he'd help change people's tires. He'd, he'd work on people's cars. I, I remember him taking food to people. He, he'd have me with him just serving people. And that left this indelible mark on my heart that true leadership in the body of Christ is laying down your life for other people. Amen. That changed me forever. You know, I believe that this is the calling on this church is to invest our lives in people. And so I want to finish this morning by not just being hearers of the word only, but by being doers. I, I, I ask you right now to close your eyes with me. And I believe that you're in this room because you don't want to just hear, but you, you want to obey Jesus. I want to ask you to ask God a question. And that question is this, who is one person I can invest my life in? Everyone can make one. There's not a person in this room that can't impact another life by meeting with someone every week or every other week and just taking them through some lessons. These lessons are on that app for you and just teaching them to look up, to grow in their relationship with God, to look in, to see how their life is lining up with scripture and to look out, to just learn to look to the needs of others around. Father, I pray right now that you'd start speaking to every mind and every heart. Just start putting images of people's faces in our mind or put names in our heart put memories of different encounters we've had with people in our schools and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and in our families I believe that every person in this room can walk out with someone that they're going to initiate with to make disciples and if someone pops into your head it doesn't have to be super spiritual it doesn't have to be some booming voice God most of the time speaks to us just straight to our subconscious it's just that still small voice and I just want to encourage you to take out your phone and, and write it down take out a little pen and jot it down just who is God telling you to, to initiate with that you could help and I, I can just guarantee you they're going to be thankful they'll be a life changed and once you've done that would you just stand up with me as we finish our time this morning love you so much, church. And I believe that God has special plans for you. Each one of you in here, in the real church, every person is equipped to be a minister. Every person is equipped and empowered to do the work of Jesus. You can do it. He's given you power. If you've given your life to him, he's living in you. It's not your own power. It's not how well you've done. It's Jesus in you. It's Christ in you the hope of glory. Would you just close your eyes right now? As you close your eyes, would you just ask yourself this question, do, do I actually know Jesus? Because every week there's people that are coming and giving their life to Jesus here. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not 100% sure you're going to go to heaven when you die, you can be. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. You can't be good enough. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die. We deserve to be separated forever in a place called hell. 
But that's why God sent his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you'll confess today that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you a chance now to pray that with me. If you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to pray with me now. Just say this simple prayer with all your heart, if that's your desire, to say, Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'll follow you forever. And now it's with every eye closed, if, if you're praying that prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. I want you to do this. I want you to raise your hand because I'm just going to pray for you. If that's you today saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus, just wave your hand real quick. Thank you. Who else? Just wave your hand at me real quick. Just all over this room to say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. Thank you. Who else? Just wave at me. Let me see you. You're just saying, that's me. Thank you so much. Who else? Just look up at me. Thank you. I see you back there too. Who else? Just wave your hand at me. Just look up at me real quick. Awesome. Lord, for these ones that are raising their hands, we thank you that today you're removing their sins. Lord, you say that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you're removing their transgressions for them. And we thank you that you're entering their heart in Jesus' name. And we thank you that today is their day of salvation. I need my prayer team to come up very quickly. Prayer team, come up very quickly. If that was you raising your hand, I want you to come up right now. I'm going to give you a book. You can bring a friend with you. If, if you raise your hand, just ask someone to come up with you. And we're going to give you one of these books that's all about walking with Jesus. We also want to pray for you if you're in need this morning. You just say, yeah, I just came in with a heavy heart. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you if you need physical healing this morning. But I also want to pray for you if you go, today, Robert, I know I'm called to make disciples, but I'm scared. I need someone to pray for boldness for me. You come forward too. We're going to sing one last song, but all those different things I mentioned, you just start coming now. You just start making your way right now as we pray. We're going to lay hands on you and ask for God to touch your needs. You just start coming now. We're going to wait for you as we sing.